some of the top players of all time in football came from HBCUs. And I mean, the list here, we got Jerry Rice, Mississippi Valley State, Walter Payton, Jackson State. We got um, Jimmy Smith, Jackson State, uh, Shannon Sharp, Savannah State, Michael Strahan, Texas Southern, Steve McNair, Alcorn State, Doug Williams, Grambling State. Like the, these people, Jerry Rice, uh, Walter Payton, these are arguably two of the best people at their individual positions. One of them is arguably the best player of all time in some people's um, in some people's list that came from these HBCUs. So. I don't I think it'd be too weird for me, bro. Like, one second, you cool. Well, he's not a young nigga. He's a fuck nigga. It is. Okay, we're nigga. not going to talk about my friend. No, Jalen's a fuck nigga. Fuck he's, that. He's not. Okay, yo, what's, what's good as your boy? Jalen Mahomes, fuck Okay, you see, you squash one beef and try to start another one. I'm not this starting is, a beef. This is, this, is not, this is not how you have growth. You have to foster the. No, this nigga, he'll like follow you, unfollow you, follow you, unfollow you. Follow, like, is, who does that? It's his prerogative. It, just don't follow me at all. Ever. Like, I'm good, dude. Oh, you know, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna pull your card in the pot. Go ahead, pull my card. I don't not, follow, follow this, nobody. This is KTSEF. No, no, I, I want my card pulled. Pull my card. Come on, I'm the hooligan from Brooklyn. From, from Brooklyn. Have you ever? Let's go. Pull my card. Who have I followed and unfollowed? It's not even about that. But anywho. You know, uh, Leonard Brown's a bitch. He always okay, will be a bitch. Okay. Um, you know, everybody right. hangs with all the niggas. I mean, all I don't right. follow unfollow if I unfollow you. And the only reason I even started back hanging with him was just off the strength of me being your good friend. Not even that and me serious, taking bro. a risk because because of you. Nobody you didn't want cares, no beef with the no game and thing or anything uh, like that. That's the only reason. Other anyways, than that. Anyways. Welcome to episode 84. I hope he chokes on a penis, but it is what it is. You're a, a sicko. Definitely, speaking of choking on penises, go check out last week's episode, episode 83, <laughs> Um, That's a great segue. If you didn't listen to the episode, it was pretty good. Pretty hilarious and very uh, valid points regarding women's safety in the gym and just a bunch of men being weirdos. Um, I wasn't on that episode, but I guess we'll start with my follow-up to some of that stuff. But yeah, same thing with, in the gym. We'll get right into it. Uh, like Marcus said, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, um, yeah, if, if I'm in the gym and like a woman puts herself in front of me, I'm moving or I'm doing something else. I don't even want the perception to be that I'm being weird. Like that's kind of the easiest solution to follow if you're in the gym. Like it sucks, but like I don't even want there to be <laughs> even doubt that like so sometimes like you're at the gym or just anywhere in, in life and you like randomly lock eyes with somebody on accident. Like it's a hundred times worse than the gym. <laughs> if it's a woman, it's like, bro, no, I don't want no smoke. It was, a, it was an accident. I'm just trying to get my lifted. I'm just chilling. It's just a coincidence. But yeah, definitely, uh, definitely, man. We have to, you know, if we see something, say something. If something looks sketchy, you know, call it out. Let's not have uh, our our species being weirder weirder than we need to be. So, but yeah, definitely a good episode. Check that out. But we're gonna start today with this episode. Starting with football. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on, but. As a resident Falcon supporter, what's going on, Chan? Always supportive in the in the uh, chat. Um, I, I see that you would like to start a podcast. I mean, you can definitely get some reps here if you'd like to come uh, join us at some point. That'd be kind of cool. But uh, yeah, the Falcons, uh, we we fell again uh, to. I don't duck at this point with the Falcons. It doesn't matter who we play. It's like we're, we're gonna lose. We lost to the 49ers. Uh, it was a pack watch. 
They were running all over us. People getting mouthpiece knocked out of their helmets. It was disgusting. Kyle Shanahan was having his will with his defense. And the Falcons' offense just looks pedestrian per usual. Um, last week, the narrative was like, oh, Arthur Smith, he's better than Dan Quinn because we've got more wins than last year. We're in the playoff conversation. Get that shit all the way the fuck out of here. Get get, get that out of here. That, those thoughts shouldn't even cross your head. We have not beat a, We have not beat a single team with a winning record. And the teams that we beat are teams that are going to have top five draft picks, and we're in dogfights with them. And you're talking about playoffs. Playoffs? You know what I'm saying? Like, no, absolutely not. But this fan base wants to wants to argue and bicker every week. Whenever we lose, it's like, oh, people are going to blame this game on Matt Ryan. Fam, at these people. And because I've said this before, nobody's blaming Matt Ryan. You guys just tweet out Matt Ryan's name to invoke retweets and attention. I saw a whole new brand new sports page where their first tweet was like, where are all my Matt Ryan supporters and followers? Let's have a follower train. And I'm like, Doc, first of all, Matt Ryan is on his way out of this team, right? We should run a train on your mother. That's okay. I I, I endorse that, but I mean, unless she wants that. But like my thing with all these uh, little accounts or whatever is like, what is your brand going to be when Matt Ryan leaves? Because apparently to, to you guys, Matt Ryan is the universe of this franchise. Like I saw a tweet today saying like, oh, Matt Ryan has the most heart in this team. You guys are going to blame him for this loss. And I'm like, dog, it's a 53-man roster. You act like Grady Jarrett isn't out there in the trenches fighting for his life every game with no help, but Matt Ryan's got the most heart in the team. Like, no, Matt Ryan is the most visible player, the only players you follow, but it's disrespectful to the rest of these guys on the team that you always focus on Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan is not infallible. Matt Ryan, low-key, according to Jalen, be having the pool pork arm. Like, we only see him throw deep passes every so often. Do you ever question that, right? We have this hybrid tight end slash wide receiver slash unicorn Kyle Pitts who goes three quarters most games getting, like, four targets and two catches. I mean, if he's this unicorn hybrid wide receiver tight end player that's, you know, too big for linebackers or too big for uh, DBs too fast for linebackers, why aren't we bombs away it to him? Why aren't we attacking Dale Field with him, Right. Like Jalen posed the question that either A, Matt Ryan is washed, Arthur Smith is ass, or Kyle Pitts is a bust. And he might have low-key been trolling, but however, there's a little bit of truth in that troll. Like it's got to be something, right? Like, for example, we were in the red zone on the one-yard line. We had five plays inside the one and left with three points. And this has happened before. When we get to the one-yard line, we get in the red zone, and for whatever reason, this highly efficient – offense that we were told that he was bringing in seems they can't score any touchdowns when it matters. But I, I will I will say that one fourth and goal play because Jalen at the beginning of the game was like, yo, we need to have a conversation about Arthur Arthur Smith's play. He's been saying this, and I agree. And then I saw the play. It was like a fake fullback dive and then the pitch out to Cordell Patterson on fourth and like one and they pitched it back to him seven yards. I was like, yeah, I, I get it now. Like that was a bad play call. There was a play uh, two games ago where I got to with Eric where we got to the one-yard line, and he doesn't call a single run play. After Cordero Patterson pretty much ran them down the field, but once they got to the one-yard line, it was a lack of talent to why they couldn't punch it in. Like, no, that's unacceptable. At some point, the coach has to be held responsible for this team not performing at a level of a competent NFL team. It's one yard. It's an inch. You can't quarterback sneak it. You can't get a big personnel in there. Like, what are we, what are we doing? 
what are we doing? But we'll see next year. Like I said, a lot of people are, are, are lauding Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot. They're like, oh, like I said, we got all these wins. Next season's going to be a lot tougher with potentially less talent. So hopefully you can guys can flip a new narrative next year because you're not going to be able to blame Julio Jones because he's gone. You're not going to be able to blame uh, Thomas Dimitrov because he's been gone. So I'm assuming the next narrative next year will be Arthur Smith as a, as a bad owner. Even though Marcus kind of was on that train early, like they're going to find a new narrative at some I point. I that years ago. Yeah, they're going to find a new narrative to absolve Matt Ryan or Arthur Smith or Terry Fontenot or whatever. Like right now, the new narrative is like, oh, Terry Fontenot got a steal for trading Julio Jones. Because, like, again, it's I see Falcons fans talk about ex-players more than current players, but it is what it is. They just want to be vindicated. But anywho, say on football, the bigger story, because my team is irrelevant because we're not going to make the playoffs. I'm going to be sorry for probably the next three to five years. But the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Tech Messiah's team, um, they uh, have parted ways with their head coach, Urban Legend, a.k.a. Urban Meyer. Um, it's been a tumultuous season from day one, from him hiring allegedly racist coaches, hiring uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation children like Tim Tebow to be on the team and attempt to make the roster at a position he has never played in his life not flying home with the team, embarrassing the team and the franchise by getting caught having young white women grinding in his genitals in 4K, allegedly kicking a player, <laughs> a kicker, amongst other things. Like, he, he also flamed up his entire coaching staff of grown men, saying that he had a better coaching staff at Bowling Green, which is a lower-level college, than he had in the NFL. Like, he said this to grown men who have exponentially more NFL experience than he does and expected that to just kind of go over nicely. And when he even got to the draft where he wasted a first round draft pick on a running back when they had a thousand yard undrafted free agent rookie running back the year before. And oh, also having their first overall draft pick, Trevor Lawrence, competing with Gardner Minshew, like actually saying that there was a quarterback competition, which is disgusting. But this is the, you know, Tecmo size team, so I'll let him get his takes up. How are the people of Jacksonville feeling now that the storm is over, you know, the bum is out of the, the, the franchise? Okay, so before I even start. I told this thing is bigger than, you know, Brown, and I got to listen for If I'm going down, I'll take a whole lot of people. So I got to take a whole bunch of people with me if we're going down this road. Shout out to uh, the brother Wesley Snipes from the uh, incredible movie New Jack City. Um, first, hiring Coach Dole, which was the uh, disgraced coach, um, uh, Iowa's strength and conditioning coach that had used some racial slurs and referred to sending uh, black people back to the ghettos to where they belong. Uh, that was a huge red flag to begin with. Um, after that, you know, the, the Tim Tebow thing was was a... It was a waste of time for a few reasons. First of all, instead of investing a quality draft pick into a good tight end, uh, you pick Luke Farrell in the fifth round. Um, you go forward with trading away Josh Oliver, which was a third round pick in 2019 that played the position. Like So basically, you made the tight end room as sorry as possible to give your boy the opportunity to make the team. Uh, not only that, but bringing in washed-up players uh, like Laquan Treadwell. I mean, great story. I understand he has mental health issues, so I'm not going to go too hard on him. 
but he was a fifth stringer on the Atlanta Falcons last year. Um, he's not the worst, but this is our top receiver now, a fifth stringer from Atlanta who obviously they don't even have very good receivers at this point, and he couldn't even crack their starting lineup. Um, Tavon Austin, I don't even know where he's been, but he's a lot slower than he was when he was drafted eight years ago. Never lived up to a, the hype, another bust. Um, just, you know, just some of the things that they did is, is just crazy from a personnel perspective. Um, and then with the James Robinson fiasco, um, I distinctly remember Urban Meyer saying he had no idea what was going on. He doesn't micromanage, yada, yada, yada. Then when he gets fired, now, oh, well, yeah, it was my decision, but it was a miscommunication about how long he should have been on the bench. And it's like throughout his tenure and even beyond being a Jaguar coach, like if you really look into Urban Meyer, everything he does highlights the fact that he's a scumbag human being. Like he's a low life uh, from protecting his coaches at Ohio State that was beating the shit out of his wife from uh, having murderers on the team at Florida. And I'm not talking about Aaron Hernandez because that was after the fact, what he was proven guilty for, but him and Reggie Nelson allegedly murdered some niggas on the street in Gainesville. And like, they were under investigation and nobody cared. Like, you know, Hey, you can play football. Who cares? Um, just some of the stuff that just went on and him as a person, him as him as a person is just, a, he's a terrible person. I mean, if you want to cheat on your wife, I don't care. That's not my business. You know, I'm not, a pastor yet, so I can't judge you, but you not flying back with the team, I had a problem with that. I felt like that was grounds for termination there. At this point, it, it hurts, man. Like Being a fan of the Jaguars for so long and being sorry for so long and being a laughing stock and having people question your football credibility and credentials for even cheering for the team, it's, it's a terrible thing. I mean, at the end of the day, I hope that we could somehow right the ship. Um, I would love it if we go forward with a guy like Jim Caldwell. I understand that he's 67 years old, but uh, Tony Dungy already endorsed him. Uh, he seems like a stand-up guy. Marcus Sniffles would know a ton about him, being that he's your former coach and former OC. But if we don't get him, we're going to need that type of person to cover the tracks of just the consistent mess that we have from Tom Coughlin coming in, finding the hell out of people for being five minutes late or five minutes, not exactly on time for meetings or five minutes late, um, to finding guys for not coming to the facility when they're injured. Just stupid stuff. You had that. We were being investigated by the NFLPA um, to – uh, Dave Caldwell and the disaster that went on between him and Jalen Ramsey, which eventually got him out of town. It's just been so much like it, it's another black eye for a sad conversation, you know, and then whenever this happens, it comes back to, oh, well, the fans don't support the team. Move them to London, move them to St. Louis and move them to this place. And it's like for me, for anybody that's not a Jag fan, think of it in this perspective. Who's going to support a team that has won three games in two years and we've won 41 games in 10 years. That's 4.1 games a season. Like we we're just, we, we've only been, we, we got lucky one year where like South breeze was talking earlier in 2017, we had an easy schedule. We spent to a limit on the cap and, you know, we got into the playoffs. Good. You know, miles Jack wasn't down. We should have been in the super bowl. 
But it's like, how can you how can you blame fans for not showing up? Why would I want to spend a hundred, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred dollars of my own money to sit in the hot pits of hell that's Jacksonville, Florida? Um, I remember one time I went to a Bears Jaguars game. I almost passed out. It was so fucking hot in that stadium. It it is uh, it is absurdly hot in that stadium. And I know a lot of our fans, I mean a lot of the people that tune in are fans of teams like Shan being a Texans fan, it's indoors, Marcus Sniffles, Indy, y'all are indoors. Uh, you know, of course, South Breeze, indoors, everybody likes the Falcons indoors. Go to a stadium in 110 degree heat. And watch some bums get beat to sleep. Like that's not fun. It's a fun experience. Like it was so hot. People were passing out at the game. And it, it was like a September game. You're wearing all black. The team's wearing all black for dumb reasons. Like it's hard, you know. And then you, you hire a guy like Urban Meyer, and it's just a huge letdown, man. Like, you know, I was I was genuinely excited. I had a, a few concerns. I didn't like the bulky thing. I didn't like hiring Daryl uh, Bevel as well, um, and you know we're we're back in the same spot. Just a sorry ass organization, you know. Fuck the Jaguars. I'm taking off this damn hat too. <laughs> it's, just, it's just ridiculous. I Go mean, ahead. to be fair, they they did add a pool to the stadium, so I mean that can help alleviate. Oh, and a dog park too. You're right, but a the pool that costs ten grand to get in that pool. By the way, what? Wow. Yeah, the tickets for it, uh it's it's, it's ten grand. Ain't no way people are paying ten grand to be in that nasty pool. Dog. Oh, look who in the chat. Mr. Block unblock himself. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I, I, will, I, I will say I think the thing that Urban Meyer ran into was that he's such like a uh control freak. Cause in college you can kind of do you can control so much with the players and the athletes and the and as far as, like, their workout, what they do, where they can go, like, you can't do that. Like, Urban Meyer walks into the NFL, and a majority of his players are making more money than him. Like, he's not the highest-paid person in the room anymore. He doesn't have the most power in that organization or in that building. And I, the only thing I would ask is, like, when is the best time to announce that you're firing somebody? Because the Jaguars did it at, like, midnight on a Wednesday, and – it doesn't work. Like I feel like that's bad because you have like the night owls that are just up at night, like uh, Los. Like he's up at all hours of the night, and I'm I be up sometimes at night, you know. And they're getting their jokes off all day, and then once or all night, and then once the morning shift people wake up, they kind of get the oh here's what you missed. So now they're flaming them up for the morning, and then you got the people that wake up in the afternoon, and now sports media is talking about it all damn day because there's nothing else to talk about. So it's like. If you're going to fire this coach to avoid embarrassment, you got to do it when there's something else going on. Like fire fire him right before the Lakers play or on Thursday night before a football game starts. You can't do it on a Wednesday night because you're going to get roasted for 24 straight hours. It's a bad look. You can't even fire a coach without getting embarrassed. And my thing is with the with the firing they came out and said they they made the decision to fire him Sunday night. They were just making sure they got all their ducks in a row, and you wait till Wednesday. Just fire the dude Sunday. You should have fired him a couple weeks ago, but you know whatever. Like I said, for me, Jim Caldwell. I mean, you need a guy that's going to be squeaky clean. 
family man, man of God that can turn this thing around. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to say that we can win a Super Bowl, but at least make us if, – if we were in the position that the Falcons are, that, that's why I get so mad because it's like you guys are up here arguing with each other, complaining, and BSing. I would kill to have seven wins. Like and to be to beat sorry teams that we're supposed to win, we get blown out every week. We haven't scored more than twenty-one points in God knows how long. We haven't hit thirty have points in two years. Have y'all won seven games in two years or three years at least? Like, have you totaled seven? No, it's wins been four years, years since we've won seven damn. games. Like I said, forty-one games in the last ten years is, is what we won. I mean, yeah. I mean, had it not been for terrible coaching, y'all definitely could have beat the Falcons. Like, the play calling, decision making in that game, y'all was like, wow, you guys really don't want to win. The receivers were literally dropping everything. Like, y'all could have beat us. Like, I picked I picked the Jags to beat the Falcons for that game. Like, but, yeah. the And the play calling. Like, Urban Meyer be calling plays from, like, the Florida Gators from, like, 2007. Like, bro, I saw you run that with Percy Harvin. Like, over a decade ago. Like, this is not – it's 2021, dog. Like, this this ain't it. This, this doesn't work here. So. And the other – very, very, very Well, the other funny thing about the Jaguars, like, the Jaguars, it, it's it's a solid job to have. Like, if you can get that job, you got to – we well, what we think is a solid quarterback on a rookie deal. They have uh, – they're going to have a high draft pick. They have a lot of cap space. So, that's a pretty good job to have. I saw that Doug Peterson's name is being floated around. And I'm like, if Doug Peterson gets a second chance at a head coaching job while Eric Bieniemy is still, you know, still be the OC of Kansas City, like Doug Peterson was two offensive coordinators ago before Eric Bieniemy, like, and he already got a job and got fired, and you're telling me that he's going to he's going to circle the block on a head coaching job before Eric Bieniemy can get a job first? Like that's that would be insane to me. Like I would never like. It, it's hard to trust the NFL as it is with that whole Rooney Rule thing, which is a joke as it is. But come on, man! Like that guy can't you know get what? Fired, fired and get another job before Eric Bieniemy. That's ridiculous. And speaking of the Rooney Rule, because like lately, if I'm on TikTok, if I'm on Bleacher Report, if a black person mentions the Rooney Rule, they're like, "Oh, racism! It doesn't exist." Blah blah blah. Y'all, it's in your head. You're keeping it going. It's like, no, it does exist. Like, it, it's got. Dan Campbell shouldn't have got a job before Eric Bieniemy got a job. Mm. Like it just is what it is. And Joe Brady should not be our future head coach. Like I, I think that he he has a solid offensive mind, but no, we nah we need Bieniemy, Byron Leftwich with um with with Joe Brady as a QB coach or a offensive coordinator. Or either Jim Jim Caldwell as a consultant would be my thing, or Marvin Lewis as a consultant. I know some people want um, Riddick Lewis, and I might be misquoting his name, but they want it to be black GM and black coach. I don't think that's going to happen, but we need a black coach. Like, go ahead and bring your boy home, Byron Leftwich. Do what you do. We drafted you number seven overall. You busted for us. Um, South Breeze knows all too well as a Falcon fan that. Brian Leftwich and that big wind up was trash, but you owe it to us. Come back home and save us. Save us, oh savior, Byron Leftwich. Yeah, Jim Caldwell shouldn't have got fired either. Twice, he shouldn't have been fired in Indy, and he shouldn't have been fired. Like if you if you coach the Detroit Lions to the playoffs, 
you should get an, a 10-year extension. Like, what? That's damn near impossible to do. You got the Lions to the playoffs, and they haven't done shit since you got fired? Nah, man. They, he should have got a five-year extension for that. They I think his worst fired. year with the Lions was like nine and – I mean, seven and nine. He didn't deserve to get fired at all. Definitely. And I if he was anybody else, he wouldn't have been let go. He would have been the benefit of the doubt. Just like even with – now I see Mike Tomlin. Um, Like I see some Steelers fans, white of course. Uh, we need to get rid of him now. We need to just completely tear this down and rebuild it. And it's like, okay, if, if it was anybody else, if it's Sean Payton who struggles, if it's uh, Kyle Shanahan, if it's Sean McVay, you're not you're not getting rid of them. They get the benefit of the doubt. But anybody black, you get no benefit of the doubt. You you have to go as soon as you you your team, which because Big Ben the rapist is trash. You know now your team is not doing as well. Just get rid of him too because he's black. Like, don't be foolish. Uh, Mike Mike Tomlin, he's been in the NFL for over a decade as a head coach. He's never had a losing season, like never, as a head coach. And you want to get rid of that guy? You keep that guy as long as you can. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to see what the Steelers look like when they get an actual quarterback. Like Mike Tomlin is a great coach. He's just handicapped by that overweight, washed-up quarterback. Like Big Big Ben retired physically like three years ago, and Mike Tomlin is still able to put together a winning record, a 500 team around that. Get him a young quarterback and see what they do. Like the Steelers are gonna, the Steelers could be a problem. But Mike Tomlin is the issue. No, you keep that dude. Yeah, it's uh, but you know what? Hey, man, racism doesn't doesn't exist, man. You know, we gotta can, pull ourselves can I, can up. I get, can I get my takes off since uh, my team is the only one I had that got a win this weekend? Sure, why not? So appa- apparently. The Colts hadn't beat the Patriots in like 12 games, which I did not know. That's pretty ridiculous, but it, it was pretty great to get a win against the fraudulent Mac Jones and the uh, cheating Patriots. Um, it's always good to get that win, being number five in the playoffs. Like we're a team that we're a team to, re- to be reckoned with. And something that I mentioned last week about drafting running backs, I remember when the Colts traded up in the second round to get Jonathan Taylor. I was like, man, that's a bad pick. There's no reason for us to trade up for a running back. Like, you don't, we don't need him that bad. And now he's in the conversation for MVP. He's leading the league in rushing. He's got almost 20 touchdowns. And the the insane thing is, is that he was the third running back picked in that draft. Like, I didn't realize it until today, but the Kansas City Chiefs in that same draft with the 32nd pick drafted a running back. Like, they, the, Imagine Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, and Jonathan Taylor. Like, that was an option for them. Like, he was there at the end of the first round, and the Kansas City Chiefs passed on him. And it took Blair. That's that's, as much as I love having Jonathan Taylor on my team, I still would like to see how that would look. Like, Jonathan, like, the, that offense with that quarterback and those, those weapons, with that kind of running back in the backfield and Andy Reid calling the plays, like, that's pretty disgusting. Like, I'd, I'd actually love to see that. But, you know, it's glad to get a win. It's glad to get a win. So, shout out to KJ and his losing-ass, sorry-ass Patriots. <laughs> yeah, definitely shout out to KJ. I hate the Patriots. Wowzers. Trash. Trash. Mac Jones is trash. He got exposed the other week. That man – that man – I'm not going to say he's bad, but, like, 
if you need him to beat you with his arm, it's, it's going to be a long day for them. And Josh McDaniels is going to have to call, like, the greatest game of his life. I mean, to be fair, he, he still remember he is a rookie, so. <clears throat> that so, is well, fair. That is fair. But I, I tweet this out before. Like, I could only imagine how Trevor Lawrence would look if he was drafted to a competent organization like the Patriots. Like, this is why this is why you don't need that. This is why we need to get rid of the draft. Like, why are we rewarding the Jaguars and the Jets with these high draft picks? How 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 come the Jaguars get to be trashed for a decade? And it's like, you know what? Here's the number one overall pick again. Hey, Detroit, here's the number one overall pick again that you can come ruin. Like, if I'm if I'm Trevor Lawrence or whoever, whoever the next hotshot prospect is, I don't want to get drafted by Detroit. Like, what have you shown me that makes me want to come play for you? I'm, I'm You know what? I'm going to sit this one out. I'll, I'll just sit it out. I'm not going there. And there's no reason that they should have to. Show me that you deserve my services. Get rid of the draft. The draft is stupid. It makes no sense. We're rewarding bad behavior. We're rewarding mediocrity. And these teams aren't doing anything to show that they are better. There's no reason why Trevor Lawrence should have to go to Jacksonville. He should have to – he should be able to – Pick where he wants to go. If a team, anyway, enough of that, nigga. Uh, what's the next subject, please? Well, actually, that would be he's making a, a decent point. What what I would say is uh, that from the the league's perspective, it would make more sense to get these generational prospects to good teams so they can be around for said generation. Like again, I, I, as much as people would hate this. Like, let's say Trevor Lawrence chose to go to the Patriots because they, they know that that's a competent organization. I mean, essentially, that's good for the league because now you have the quote-unquote heir apparent with the evil genius Bill Belichick. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to them going to Jacksonville and then being trashed. Anyway, enough of that nigga, too, because that makes no sense. Well, anyway. This man is not going to keep disrespecting me on, on my podcast. So, yeah. It, it would be great to see the NFL make some changes because what's the worst could happen? Well, and, and I know you say like fans won't like it, but I think it's just we're not we wouldn't be comfortable with it at first because we haven't seen it before. Like fans weren't that big on the college football playoffs until they got used to it. Like fans weren't used to only the number one seed getting a bye week until they got used to it. Fans would get used to there not being an NFL draft or an NBA draft. Like, uh, uh, aren't, aren't we tired of seeing good players get wasted? We 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 lost out on Calvin Johnson's greatest years because he was just like, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. There's no reason for us to have. There's no reason for these players to have to suffer through that. Nigga, I think you muted too, Phil. Oh, I didn't my yeah. That's an interesting take, but uh, transitioning to the next topic, the, the biggest topic of the week, um, let's talk about movie etiquette, right? So the highly anticipated, long-awaited Spider-Man No Way Home was released this week in theaters across the world. And even before the movie came out, there are people on the timeline saying that, yo, we are going to spoil this movie. I don't care if you work. I don't care if you have kids. I don't care if you were immunocompromised and are scared of getting COVID. If you do not go see this movie night of, either log off or go see the movie. This is your only two options to log off or go see the movie. 
And I, I almost fell into that trap. Um, I tweeted out like a couple of weeks ago. I was like, yo, I want to go see my wife, but she had to work. I was like, damn, should I go see the movie by myself or wait for the wife, which would be like Saturday? And I contemplated it. I contemplated it. Then I had another homeboy that his old lady was working. And we was just like, fuck it. We're going to see this shit. We'll go see it again later. So I went and saw the movie opening night. But and and, I, and I'm big on spoilers, especially for like movies, anime, especially even if the anime has been out for five years, I still hate spoilers. I do everything I can if I'm actively watching something to not try to see spoilers. But um, we're trying to figure out like what the etiquette is, man, because like in the social media area, like you can't era, you can't avoid anything that's hot. Right. Like I even went online after the movie to just the YouTube, some reviews. And I saw these trailers, and I'm like, hold up. I'm like, these are really good trailers, but, like, I don't think these are right. So when I Googled the official trailers, they were way different from the trailers that I were seeing, and these little made-up trailers had mass spoilers in them. So I'm like, well, if the theater isn't showing certain parts in the movie, then I feel like it's kind of fugazi for you to make a video that shows, you know, certain parts of the movie when it's not an officially sanctioned trailer, because people get tricked by that stuff, so... Uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? A lot of people should say, like, maybe a week, a couple days. So I'll start out with this one. So to me, I feel like the proper etiquette should be give it to that Monday. Like, if if it's a big release, it comes out that Thursday, give everybody to that Monday. Um, I just feel like that's fair because people can have to work. We have the COVID situation going on. There's different things like that. Give it to that Monday from Thursday. That's four days. That's enough time to give somebody to get their butts in and see it. Anything before that, like you're just being a jackass. Like, why are you spoiling the movie? If you got friends that seen it, hey, you call them, you go over it. Like, I don't get the, like, I just, I don't get the point. Like, what? Why do you get a kick out of spoiling a movie for somebody else? Just because you have the opportunity to see it first. Give it a few days, and then you can talk about it all you want. Like I said, if you went with your friends, if you know other people, or even how I did it, because I know the last movie I can recall seeing first day was Endgame. And I remember tweeting out, I asked that anybody seen it because I wanted to discuss it um, that Friday. And but I did I, I never did tweet anything about it. Like it just it was what it was. And yes, uh, the biggest topic is Woodley uh, letting down the entire black culture. But we'll get into that later because I'm so disgusted with him. Uh, anyway, Spider Man, what's your thoughts on etiquette for the movies? It, social media has changed things. Like before social media, I was trying to think of the like kind of the biggest movies that had spoilers that didn't need to be spoiled type thing like uh like six cents like when the six cents first came out that was one of those movies where people were just like hey don't spoil the movie for people don't talk about what happened um maybe uh um what's another movie seven that was another big movie that came out that people were just like hey don't spoil it it was like there was some sort of etiquette with with people like if you were talking about the movie at the water cooler or at school you would ask the person, hey, did you see this movie? And if they're like, no, hey, we're not going to talk about it. Like, I haven't seen Sixth Sense. So it's like, I, I mean, I know what happened, so I can't complain about it. But in the social media era, I cannot get on Twitter the entire weekend 
that a big movie like Spider-Man is coming out and be mad if it's spoiled for me. Like, if you're someone who wants to see Spider-Man and is going to be upset about spoilers, you should also be the type of person that's going to see it on opening weekend. You can't wait two or three weeks after it came out and expect people to not talk about it. Now, me, I saw it uh, opening day at 3 p.m. Like, I saw it early because I was like, All right, y'all ain't spoiling this movie for me. And I, and after I watched it, after it was over, it was it was like 6.30 in the evening. And I was like, you know what? I could tweet about this movie. I could tweet out spoilers and do all that kind of stuff. But I would feel like a dick doing it. Because it's like some people are just now getting off of work. Some people are just now heading to the theater. Why would I tweet about this right now? Like, I could, I, I don't. I don't think it's wrong to tweet about spoilers. It's, it's your Twitter. You can tweet whatever you want. You know what I'm saying? But just know that people are going to think that you're an asshole for doing that. So me, I usually tend to give it until that Monday. Like when it hits Monday and you haven't seen it that first weekend. Hey man, I, I don't know what else to tell you. I agree. And it, it, it's even more than just the movies. Like I remember cause I actively watch game of Thrones and it was spoiled at at one o'clock on that Sunday that it that the final episode was was out. No, it wasn't even that. It was the season before the the last end. Something huge happened, and they spoiled it. And I'm like, God damn it! Like, what? It's just not even a point to watch it because it was such a big event, and somebody they didn't even wait an hour after seeing the episode to spoil it. Like, it, with power, I've seen it too. Like. Something huge will happen. It'll be 1234 on a Sunday morning and somebody's spoiling it. Like people just get a kick out of being little jackasses. Like it's it's amazing to me. I mean, and that that's happened to me before. Like I I know a lot of things that have happened in Game of Thrones, but it would I I would feel like a jerk for getting on Twitter while I'm watching Game of Thrones right now and to be upset about people tweeting about a show. Like that show came out like five years ago. It ended a long time ago. I can't, I, I, I can't tell Twitter what to tweet about. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't dictate what the timeline talks about. They, they, they're not living my life. Like I can't be upset if Game of Thrones gets spoiled for me because I didn't watch it when it was out. The same thing happened with Power. I, did, I watched Power after it was done and I knew a lot of the things that happened. So it was just like, I wasn't mad about it because I knew, like, I can't be mad if it gets spoiled. The show came out three, three months ago or two years ago. I'm still going. I'm still enjoying Game of Thrones, even though I know a lot of things that are going to happen. But I mean, I I can't dictate what the timeline talks about. I I waited too late. I didn't want to watch it when it was live. I wanted to wait until it was over. So now when I tweet about it, it's it's more of a it's more for me, I guess. Like I don't have to worry about people jumping down my throat about it and doing whatever most people ignore me with it now because it's just like oh that show's old why is he tweeting about it now and it's just like it's something i can do for myself so i don't know yeah it's it's interesting because like a good example of that is like right now there's a uh, anime that i'm gonna watch that is crazy back in like 2007 somebody actually let me borrow this this is before i was like heavy in anime like all i would watch was pretty much like dragon ball z so he gave me this uh, this anime called Bleach. Gave me like the first couple seasons. I ain't cracked that shit open one time. But I did watch Dragon Ball Z again <laughs> from start to finish for no reason. Um, and this is before I figured out that like 
on the uh, scale of anime's Dragon Ball Z is fucking terrible. It is a terrible story. But, um, but yeah, so this anime came out in 2004, and they're just now, I guess, animating the last season, right? So now I want to go back and watch. I'm like, all right, cool. Let me, because I heard it's pretty good. So let me watch it. But I mean, I can't be mad if people were tweeting about this anime that came out in 2004 because I haven't watched it. Like, that's on me. But I feel like nobody cares that much because it came out so long ago. But I'm going to try to binge through it so I can be caught up on the latest and greatest. But I mean, yeah, don't don't be an asshole. Like, what do you have to gain from that? Like, that, that just really tells me a lot about yourself. You kind of get a kick out of just like, oh, I'm going to spoil it. I'm so cool. Let me get these retweets. Like. It's not a cool personality trait to have. If you are like that, people probably do not like you in real life. So, thumbs down to you, fucking loser. But um, so yeah, we're we're not gonna do the spoilers. We'll probably talk about it next week. I'm gonna go see it again next week as well. So, um, but like, how was y'all's? Oh, well, I guess I guess Marcus was the only one who went besides me. But how was the the theater experience? Okay, mine mine was annoying. It was an annoying experience for a minute. Like, as someone with kids, I know how my kids are. I know there are certain places that I cannot take my kids and expect them to act in a way that is reasonable for that uh, location that we're at. Like, I'm not taking my kids to, like, a library. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was in the theater, and there were not one, but two babies in my theater crying and acting a fucking fool in there like you know you you know how your kids are that's an almost three hour long experience i'm not taking my kids anywhere where they're to be expected to sit down quietly for three hours because you know where they don't do that at they don't do it at the house they don't sit in one spot quietly for three hours at home you think i'm gonna take them to a loud ass movie theater with spider-man on the screen no so if you're a parent, know your children. Do not bring them to the movie theater to see certain types of movies. Like when I took, I, we took them to the movies yesterday to see uh, Clifford, the Big Red Dog. That movie, I don't care. That's for kids. Kids are going to be in that movie theater. Kids are going to act the way the kids act, and that's fine because that's a movie for kids. But for a movie like Spider-Man or for The Dark Knight, or for any other of these PG-13 movies that are expected to do big box office numbers, please leave your loud-ass kids at the house. I did. I didn't bring my kids. They love Spider-Man. They were Spider-Man for Halloween. I didn't bring my loud-ass kids to the movie theater because I know better. And you should know better, too. But outside of that, outside of the crowds kind of going crazy, uh, my theater experience was pretty good. Side note, on the Clifford thing, I would like to... I need to make this list officially, but I need to add Clifford to the list of a white media, white mediocrity that continues to proliferate throughout the, the generations. Cause like it's a fucking big red dog. Oh, like, that movie sucked. That was an awful movie. The concept is stupid. Like it's a big red dog. Like, like fam. And that also tells me how much America lies about how much they love dogs, because the way they act like they love dogs online and movies and on the internet that movie should have been doing Spider-Man numbers, but you guys are all a bunch of liars and hypocrites. Like Clifford falls into the same category with like peanuts, all that type of just wacky, stupid shit. And even those old ass, terrible Christmas movies they keep showing on TV, like Frosty the Snowman, like that shit is all whack. Like that shit is not good at all. It is terrible. Nostalgia is a hell of a drug. But 
theater experience for me, Spider-Man, I actually got there like an hour early in the parking lot. I was chilling, went from homeboy, because I thought like, hey, the hype that was surrounding it, I thought it was going to be on some like Endgame Infinity War shit. Like when I went to see Infinity War, that shit was a problem. Like the theater was like packed out. Tickets were hard to come by. For this, I literally bought, we bought our tickets for this movie probably the day before we went to go see it. And we're still able to get seats, so that's that should number one. I should tell you something. Well, I, I think uh, maybe maybe the pandemic has something to do with that, but also this Spider-Man movie, as far as pre-sales, out outdid Infinity War. Like it outsold Infinity War in that well, aspect. And that's why I was like, people were like, oh, people are scalping tickets. I'm like, there's no fucking way we're doing the whole resale thing with movie tickets. I'm not. I'm not buying that. I'm not believing that. Like, there's plenty of theaters to have space. So whatever. So we get our tickets the day before. I get there an hour early. I'm just chilling. So like, I didn't want to have a bad parking spot. I went to park in the parking garage. So I get a good parking spot. Wait, hold on. Did you have the sign seating or did you? Was it, it was just random? Okay, okay. Yeah. So and we had it was good seats, but um, yeah, going there. I was like, y'all need to make sure I'm early so I can get popcorn and stuff like that. And I get there. It's just like, it's just like a regular movie showing, right? And I'm like, all right, whatever. I mean, a theater we we were in was, I think, packed out. But just as far as, like, the theater being, like, a, a madhouse, it, it wasn't anything like that. And even, like, with within the movie, like, I had one ignorant-ass dude sitting next to me who was trying to make things a thing. Like, you know, uh, clap on the airplane guy, except, like, nobody else is clapping. Like, I'm going to woo at random parts of the movie and, like, nobody else does it. And just I'm like, dog, come on, like, relax. So... Uh, overall, it was a pretty calm experience. I was pretty shocked, again, for all the hype that I was seeing. But again, nostalgia is a hell of a drug. But it was cool. It was, it was a lot chiller than I thought it would be. Um, I did miss like the first minute because I went back to get like another drink because I drank all of my icy, but I, I didn't really care because I'm going to go see it again anyways. But um, yeah, like there wasn't, it wasn't the same experience as Infinity War. I don't think for all the lies people are telling on lies online, all the propaganda they're spewing, I don't think there's going to be for the foreseeable future any experience at the movies that tops Infinity War. Like that was like somebody died watching that movie. Like that's just crazy. Somebody died. Like there, there's nothing topping that. Like legitimately, the emotion in that movie was, was genuine. It wasn't people trying to make a moment. Like people, were like oh shit, like this is insane. Like those were real genuine emotions. I think for this, a lot of people were trying to hype it up. And I, I saw Adolphus, I saw like people tweeting like, oh, post Spider-Man No Way Home depression is real. I'm like, stop it. Like it, it's not, it's a it's a great movie. I it's a great movie, but y'all are y'all are making it a thing like, oh, X person is the greatest character in the MCU. I'm like, all right, man. Like y'all, y'all are doing the thing where I need to have the the hottest take tweet or proclaim something is the greatest tweet, even though the movie's only been out for like a day. Now, granted, it was a great movie, but I I really still have to think like as far as top five, it probably sneaks in there, but it's not without a thought. It's not without discussion. I'm gonna say no. Well, and and to go back on the the other thing well, in that trilogy, like, in that trilogy is clearly number one. And I really yeah. enjoyed the first one. The first it, one I thought was really good. Second one was trash. 
Spider-Man has the best trilogy in the MCU. I think the first one, the first Spider-Man is still the best Spider-Man, but I, I would still like to see the newest Spider-Man again. But as someone that goes to the movie theater and is, and I'm a pretty quiet movie watcher. Like I go to the movie, I sit down and I just enjoy the movie. I'm not a big, like vocal person in the theater. The experience I had watching Endgame and Infinity War is something that I don't think the MCU is ever going to be able to replicate. Like there were, I think the moments in Infinity War during the snap, when certain characters started dusting, I was yelling like, what the fuck is happening right yeah, now? Yeah, like, Black Panther when, guy. I was like, fam, he just got here. Yeah, I was he like, just yo, they, got here. they take the Black Panther? Like, that was the one that got me. I was like, yo, what the fuck? Spider-Man is gone too? He just got here. And then um, I think in, in Endgame, when uh, Captain America picked up the hammer and just started going crazy, that was another moment where I was just like, screaming at the theater and I wasn't the only, like the entire theater was screaming and I was like what I the booed. fuck is happening because I was I like I, I didn't, didn't like understand what was happening because I'd never seen that and I didn't expect anything like that to ever happen because it didn't make sense to me because it's just like no one's supposed to be able to do that and he's just doing this he's bringing down thunder and lightning on this nigga like what the fuck so that was a th- those were the only two times that I like audibly yelled in a movie theater watching an MCU movie and it's it's going to be hard to top that. It's going to be hard for the MCU to get that type of build up for that type of reaction from a movie because I I, I don't think it's because people are spoiling things or people talk about it but it, it might be a thing where maybe people I don't I don't think people are tired of Marvel movies or comic book movies. I, I, I don't know. It was just a perfect buildup to those certain situations, and I don't know how they replicate that. It's 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 going to be really hard to do that. It really is. And just to piggyback off of what you're saying, that to me, that was what ended up happening with the the buildup, the momentum going in when you first seen uh, Thanos or Thanos earlier on in the series, and you knew that this villain was coming at some point. I didn't get. Oh shit! I'm sorry, my Apple Watch Siri was talking to me. Stupid bitch. Um, anyway, just my bad. That's not a real person. Who cares? Anyway, just the fact that we had seen him, we knew that this man was coming. We seen the actor Robert Downey Jr. go from being basically an outcast of Hollywood to his story of being redeemed playing that role of Iron Man. And even the Iron Mans, think of how long and how old that first one is. And to be able to see the whole progression to this point and the payout was just so huge. Like, I mean, it was whoever whoever put together that timeline and wrote those movies it was, it was a masterpiece in which it was done. Like it, it's going to be hard for anybody to be able to channel those type of emotions uh, from a movie theater again. Like, you know, so anything after that, I mean, and I'm sure they're working towards something big now, but even coming up with a better villain than Thanos is, is going to be difficult. Like you have people to this day that still, you know, are on the side, like, Hey, was, well, was Thanos really a villain? Or was he an actual hero? Was was he right? You know, just like I was watching Hawkeye, and you know, I, I haven't watched that, so please don't spoil it. I haven't watched a single episode of that show yet. 
I've already seen some spoilers though, so I'm kind of. I mean, I wasn't gonna spoil it. I was just gonna say that Thanos was right. That's all. That's the only thing. Um, but you know, it, it just it, it was the perfect storm for them and for movies in general, and it would be really hard to replicate it. Um, yeah. So I mean, I guess once we get into it next week and we actually do the spoiler show, we can kind of flesh out some of the things that could happen. Because I mean, I know that it's already been reported, like the. Next, I don't, and I'm gonna say this I don't think the next big bad is going to be Kane the Conqueror. Like, I think he's gonna be integral in, in the next phase, but I don't think he's gonna be like the next guy because it's already been like he's he's too he's already recognizable, he's prominent, he's people are aware of his presence, like in a big way. Like, he's it seems like he's gonna be a big factor in season two of Loki, so I think he's gonna be like a, a conduit to the next one, but. I think they might play that out a little bit further down the line. I think it's going to be a while until you have another um, big Marvel event like that. But, um, yeah. But real quick, just my real quick to the MCU, just thinking of this top five, for me, I'm, I'm going to say Infinity War is still my number one. Number two is always going shit. This is it's a tough battle between Infinity War and uh, Civil War, which I think Civil War should have been like Avengers 3. Loki, but uh, let's see. Infinity War, uh, Civil War. Uh, It's hard with Endgame because I'm comparing Endgame to Infinity War, which it was not as good, but it still was a a great cinematic experience because it was wrapping up that phase. So I guess by default, I will put that number three. Um, Gotta put Black Panther just because of, of what it what it represents for four. Um, so I, I guess it could sneak in the top five if I'm, if I'm just going off. It was better than no. Ragnarok? I didn't like Ragnarok. Okay, well, was it better than uh, the first Guardians of the Galaxy? Yes. Oh, man, I'm about to rewatch. Iron Man 1 was pretty good. It, it's, it's hard, man. Like, all these movies, well, majority of the movies are, are good. So I think it could sneak in the top five. I think it's sneaking there. Just off the cuff. Yeah, uh, just not in any order. I don't think Spider Man Two or Spider Man Three is in my uh, top five. Not well. The, my number one is always going to be Infinity War, but uh, I would put Civil War, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider Man One, and Winter Soldier in my top five. And oh, then yeah. I probably. Oh yeah, Winter Soldier. That, oh shit! That, I forgot about the Winter Soldier. Black shit. Panther and Iron Man One. Uh, okay, see, this is why I would have to take time to actually look. I forgot all about fucking. Yeah, because if. Uh... Shang-Chi might be up in there too. Shang-Chi was great. I like Shang-Chi. And I like Dr. Strange also. So, I mean, I, I it, like it, 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 all I'm saying is going. It's it's a seriously. Uh, I think it's a lazy hot take to say that Spider Man No Way Home is a top five Marvel movie. Like, you have to remember that Marvel has been putting out these movies for almost 20 years. Like, they put out some great movies here. And you just can't, you just, it, it would be disrespectful to just be like, yeah, this is a top five movie here out of all the movies they've done. Like, nah, you got to go back and kind of watch what they've been doing. Like, yeah. this isn't, even, nah, I don't want to say that. If Winter Soldier is on TV, I'm I'm watching it, like <laughs> no question. Great, I'm watching it. Um, uh, so when you said Spider Man one, do you mean like like the Tobey Maguire Spider Man? No, 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 I'm just talking. I'm just talking MCU. Okay, okay, okay. 
Spider-Man Homecoming. Like I, I, I just I know a lot of people kind of are against the whole Spider-Man being the kid and he's like you know immature. But I thought they did a good job of portraying Spider-Man in that youthful, having a youthful sense about him, where it's just like he's he's not some grown, established uh, character that kind of knows who he is, like like Tony Stark, T'Challa, Captain America, Thor. Uh, Ant-Man, even Doctor Strange, they all were kind of established. I was like, hey, this is what I'm about. This is what I'm going to do. I'm not really questioning a lot of things. I'm ready to be this person. And with Spider-Man in that first movie, it was like, I've kind of been thrust into this position and I want to be this. Like, I want to be a superhero. I want to be Spider-Man. But when shit gets hard, like, I'm going to fuck up. I'm going to make mistakes. And there's going to be points where I'm just like, I'm going to question that. I'm going to doubt like, hey, am I good enough to do this? Because I'm a 16 year old kid who has these kinds of thoughts. Like, I don't have the confidence of a 30 year old man that knows who he is and what he's about. I have inner conflict. And like, I, if we were doing if we were ranking um, like the villain slash antagonist in the MCU, Vulture's in my top five. Like, he's one of my favorite uh, antagonists in the MCU. That was a great plot. I, that, I that was that was that was in my top five like jaw dropping moments because the way they built up to that, I was not expecting that man yeah. to open that door. I was yeah, like, oh I was like, oh like what? <laughs> Out of all the people that can, that he could be taking uh, their daughter to prom, it's this guy. Yeah. Oh man, that, and that's that's one of the scene where he's in the car with Vulture on the way to the prom, and he's like. You can see him like slowly starting to figure out, like, "Hey, this thing is Spider-Man in my backseat, <laughs> and he's taking my daughter to prom." That shit was like, go back and go back and just watch that one scene. That's a great scene. Yeah, that that was a solid that was a solid flick. Like, I gotta go back and rewatch that one. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely something we'll, we'll discuss more next week as we we get into the the, the spoilers. Because again, by that point, it'll it'll be enough time for for you to check the movie out and we'll still give like a spoiler warning but definitely uh definitely be ready for that um yeah there'll be a lot of interesting topics coming up too because we're about to hit the one year anniversary of the uh january 6th insurrection so i'm i'm excited to talk about that i've been listening to a lot of podcasts about that i know that's mad random but yeah it's important that, that was a big moment just a random tangent that was a big moment in american history that a lot of people are trying to kind of just be like oh nah not a big deal it's like it it was a pretty big fucking deal. So yeah, that was a wild day. I'm I'm excited really to get, in, get into that. It just kind of makes you reframe how you think about you know people that are around you. And then seeing it all like live on TV too, it was it was crazy. Damn, I'm just like, what are we I'm like? What are we doing? Like, what is going? Like that's to me. I mean, of course, we would never see the beginning of the Civil War on any type of TV because we live in different times and. I can't really compare that because, of course, it wasn't enough people, but it should be regarded on that level. Like you have Americans that are storming the Capitol. You know, that that that's something hopefully we never see again. But it, it was crazy. It should definitely it's definitely history book material if they don't um, try to whitewash it or try to uh, do revisionist history and say that it was just like a regular day tour for the Capitol. Like some people tried to say yeah that dude with the with the moose pants or the goat pants and the 
the helmet with the flag oh, on his face. Yeah, the QAnon shaman. He's getting five years. So God he, he'll be remembered forever. For, for, for I, he, he's embedded in my mind. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that the, the guys in jail like a man that knows how to wear makeup well. So he's already a. Uh, the, the battle was halfway done for that gentleman. So. And uh, the goat pants probably make it really easy to get clapped up to while you're in prison. So, yeah. Good luck. I mean, they're probably not doing like penitentiary time. It's probably like federal federal prison, white collar shit. But, um, but yeah, th- those people kind of live in alter- alternative reality, which is a, a great segue into the uh, Omarion variant, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, the pack is uh the pack hasn't gotten up quite yet, but it's it's coming. Uh, the the Omarion variant is definitely uh, shifting the landscape here as the holidays are coming. Uh, there have already been NFL games postponed, uh, NBA games have been postponed. It looks like uh, Third Eye Kyrie might be uh, moseying his way back into the NBA, <laughs> like. It's a lot going on. Like I see a lot of tweets from people talking about, oh, lockdown and you know, send more stimmies. Um, I hate to break the news to y'all, but none of that shit is going to happen. Like, <laughs> sorry, we tried to tell you guys to wash your hands. We tried to give you guys a free vaccination. We tried to give you guys a free booster. And, and you guys turned your nose up to it and rejected the 5G chip. And now we're on our, what, second variant? And probably not our last. But you guys, well, this is the third right. or fourth variant, isn't it? Well, it's, I mean, there's been multiple variants. These are the two most, I guess, uh, oh. prominent ones, the ones that have been most like uh, effective or whatever. And and people were just like, yo, like, what are we doing? Shut it down. I was like, no, man, they got, nah, they're not giving up this money. Like, they gave y'all a chance to do what was right. Americans show that they do not give a fuck. So it, it is what it is at this point. I just saw a tweet. Uh, from this dude, Joshua Potash, he tweeted out, still struggling to believe this is real, but it is. Uh, at whitehouse.gov, he screenshot a picture saying, we are intent on not letting Omicron disrupt work and school for vaccinated. You've done the right thing. We will get through this. For the unvaccinated, you're looking at a winter of severe illnesses and death for yourselves, your families, and the hospitals. You soon may overwhelm. And and somebody, this dude, Tony Landmark that I follow, he tweeted out like WTF. I was like, it is what it is. Like, I mean, I clearly risk COVID to go see Spider-Man. Like, I'm clearly irresponsible. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm fully vaccinated or whatever. Um, I'm going to get boosted tomorrow, actually. But, I mean, the, the American government's like, yo, like, this is just a calculated risk we're, we're going to be, we're going to take. And apparently, as us as a collective Americans, we just, that's what we're going to do, so... Don't expect no lockdown. Don't expect no stimmy. I mean, it is what it is. Mask up. Wash your hands. Or get packed up. Whatever you choose. You know what I'm saying? Freedom. <laughs> you will not take our freedom. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'll, I'll just say this. I had the flu, I think, two weeks ago. And I don't know what strand it was. It was the worst like I actually just started feeling better yesterday. Yesterday was the first day that my nose wasn't leaking. I didn't have a sore throat. I wasn't coughing. I, I was down for like 16 straight days. I couldn't imagine that times however many, uh, however more worse uh, having the Amoricon or Amarion 
can be, but it's like, look, do what you have to do to protect yourself at the end of the day. I know that we got some people that are conspiracy theorists that believe in the chips, that believe, you know, that they're going to kill us all and this and this and that. But look, once you start knowing people that are passing away from these things, it, it's not a game at the end of the day. And it is, it, you know, just do what you have to do to protect yourself, your assets and your family like it's it's serious out here, man. And you know, like for me, the worst thing is, and now that I actually work out in the public again, is so many people that aren't wearing masks. Uh, Shan said in the chat that she's seeing people wearing more and more masks. I'm seeing people wearing less and less masks. Um, white people are walking right up in your face, talk to you without a mask, like it's no thing at all, coughing, hacking up shit. They don't care. Like people are just extremely selfish, and I. I don't know. I, I started to think me and South Breeze had a conversation earlier and I, I just really left that conversation thinking about, you know, what everything is going on with NFTs and, and the VRs. And I listened to something that Bill Gates was talking about where in the future we'll go from Microsoft Teams and different things like that to just everybody's going to have virtual reality set and we'll just be in this virtual reality world. And I'm like, with, with all this stuff that's going around, Will we look back and be like, wow, you know, 2019 is just a year that'll never exist again. Like life is that life that way is completely over. Like, um, you know, we're going to be doing door dashes forever. We're going to be uh, virtual reality up, you know, in the metaverse and this and this and that. It, it's, it's strange times, but be protect yourself like. Think of it, and I know this is crazy to say, like the AIDS, because it's completely different, but you have to protect yourself. You have to strap up, put your mask on. If you can't wear a mask for long, don't be out in public. You know, like working out in the public, I'm looking at people and I'm like, you have all these different services from curbside pickup, ordering things online. You don't have to be out in the public for no reason at all. Just stay indoors. Let's get this thing locked up. Like, I just don't get it, America. It's countries that have ridded themselves from this disease, and we just cannot do it. Yeah, we have uh, too much freedom here at times. So, but yeah, I can't wait for the metaverse. Like I said, I'm gonna be a metaverse megachurch pastor. I'm about to be out here popping, getting all the, you know, putting hands on all the the metaverse uh, flock. Um, but yeah, also too, signing with the DoorDash and Uber Eats, like. Has like Uber Eats and DoorDash always offered like an option to drop the food off at your door, or was that like a pandemic thing? That was a pandemic thing because usually you have to knock, but now I mean they still knock annoyingly sometimes. I'm like, yo, don't knock, just leave it at the door, or they'll, they'll ring the doorbell. Like, like I don't care, like just leave it at the door, I'll come get it or whatever. But like before the pandemic, like because I remember specifically why I bring this up. I think I've talked about some podcasts before. I was playing Fortnite. And I ordered some food. I think I ordered some Jamaican food or something like that when I lived in New Jersey. And like I was playing solos. And I think it's about to be like my first ever solo win. Like I was lit. It was me and one other person. I built my tower. I was up and I had a rocket launcher. I was ready to go. And like my doorbell rings. And I'm like, fuck. So my like Uber Eats at the door. And like it's like, you know, you play Fortnite. If you play Fortnite, you know what's going on. Like you got so much time before the, the shit closes. You got to be very vigilant. And I'm like, fuck. So I went run downstairs and get my DoorDash. I'm trying to you know sign the shit real quick and run back upstairs and I died. <laughs> so had DoorDash been on this new wave where they just leave it leave it downstairs, I would have I would have won my first solo match. And yeah, shout out to well, Corona for not coming years earlier so I could win my first well, solo. Well, speaking match. of like uh, 
potential like I don't think the lockdown or anything is gonna happen like that. But the only the only good thing that well quote unquote good thing that happened during the pandemic was how movies were released. Cause uh I believe it's Warner Brothers. At the beginning of the pandemic, they decided, hey, we're not we're putting all our movies out on HBO Max the day it comes out for the rest of the year. And I enjoyed that. There was a lot of movies that I didn't that I probably wouldn't have seen on HBO Max that I wouldn't have seen in theater. So I went and watched it on HBO Max. And my, my question to, I guess, to you guys and to the listeners is how much, how much money would you have paid to stream Spider-Man No Way Home at home on Disney Plus? Because if, yes. if, if Disney yes. would have came up to me and been like, hey, it's, it's going to run y'all a hundred dollars. All right. Bet. If I could watch that movie at the crib, I would have done it. I would do it right now. Yes. Like I would have easily stayed at the house and be like, yeah, because I, I paid $30 to watch Black Widow. I'm easily paying $100 <laughs> to watch Spider-Man. Like, come on. Yeah, if they if they said it was hundred dollars, I'm paying that. Like, no questions asked. Yeah, that was that, that was my favorite thing, being able to to stream a lot of movies at the at the house. Like movies that I normally would see in theaters. To just stream at streaming at the house, like I'm doing it. No quite like uh Eternals. Like I wanted to, I remember we talked about that briefly. Then I said like I wanted to see it again. And I just never got around to going to the theater. But uh it's gonna be on Disney Plus in like two weeks. So I'll be there. I'm, I'll be at the house and I'll be watching it again. I'll probably watch it a couple more times because it's it's so much easier and more convenient to watch movies at the house. It's it's a way better experience and, and in 2021, like back in the day, when TVs weren't, you know, no HD and no flat screens, all that stuff, no sound systems, the at-home viewing experience wasn't as good. But now, the way TVs are, man, nah, I, I'm, I, I'm totally fine with watching these movies at the house. Yeah, I, and I'm, I don't. Maybe, I, well, I was gonna say maybe the outside of bootleggers, people were bootlegging movies anyways, so. I feel like they have nothing to lose because it's kind of like with uh, independent artists, like you still, you're going to get more distribution from the theaters because they, there's more theaters, more people are going to want to do the movie theater experience. You can get it out across the country because not everybody has a nice TV or internet or whatever that wants to stream. But for the people like us that will be willing to pay 10 X the ticket price or five X the ticket price to watch it at home, that's that's straight cash, straight cash to your pocket. Exactly. Like like not, you, you don't have to pay for however much it costs to distribute the movie. You're not, you know, it's more beneficial. It's kind of a 50 50 thing. But like if you can, I guess the loser would be the theaters because then that's money I'm not spending on popcorn. So maybe if they do like, well, no, they don't have to do that because it's their movie. If I want to send it to Disney Plus, then send it to Disney Plus. Like fuck the movie theater. Yeah, the movie Who's theater is kind of—it's almost like cutting out the movie theater, like the middleman and them. But I'm not saying don't put it in theaters. Like put the movies yeah. out in theaters because there's certain people that still enjoy going to the theaters. I'm just saying if you if you put it on Disney Plus and you charge a hundred dollars for that, I feel like that is a win-win for. I know it's a win-win for the company, but like say. You know, the company puts it out for $100, and then you let the actors get a percentage. You let the studio get a percentage. Like, obviously, the movie theater is going to be upset because they don't get the, the percentage from the tickets and the, uh, the concessions yeah. and probably parking. But it's like, hey, 
you that that that's that puts more onus on the theater to make the movie theater experience better than me watching it at 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 the house. Like make it make it to where I want to go to your theater because right now there's nothing at the theater that I can't have at the house. So if I have to pay, I mean like I it it costs me almost fifty dollars to take me, my wife, and my two kids to the movie theater. So you're telling me I can just pay a hundred dollars and get all stay at home? Yeah, I, I, and have it for 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing that. I, I, I've done, way, it, yeah. done it a few times. Yeah, so I I don't think I don't know if they're gonna. I think it would be very forward thinking to do that, but I mean, right now they're looking at you know just cash. Like yo, people are going to the theaters. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But I think it would behoove them to be like, hey, let's let's try something different. Because like I think they would be surprised and. I don't know, maybe because the movies they did show at home were kind of like not top tier movies. I think they would be surprised at how much people would pay to watch some of these top tier movies. I mean, you know, Space Jam. That was a decently hyped movie. I would say that probably would have did numbers if it was just at theaters. And that was the first thing I thought of, like, if that was released in theaters only, that's not one that I probably would have went to see. Um, but because I was able to see it on HBO Max, I actually enjoyed it. Like I was like, hey, this is a pretty good movie. Um, the King Richard. Now, if it was no pandemic at all and, and we were back then, I probably would have went to, to go see that in the theater. But to have that, to have a movie like a Halloween, um, it, it's been a few of them that, you know, I'm sit right there. HBO Max is right there. Boom, boom. I got it. Even with the Disney uh, Disney Plus deal, you know, just uh, a lot of the times I'll just wait two months and then see it for free, but it's super convenient. I mean, I'm a, I'm a more of a techie dude, so I have a decent sized TV. I have a surround sound, um, so I enjoy it, and then I, I like the fact that I can kind of pause and go as I want to, as opposed to the movies. The only thing I really do like is my little popcorn and M&M mix with a Coke, like cherry Coke, that's it. Other than that, I could do all that at home. So I, I definitely enjoy some of the things that we received in the pandemic. I do enjoy like uh, being able to curbside pick up some things like um, earlier today, I ordered a gift actually yesterday for um, my younger sister. Paid for it online, pulled up, bought it out. Boom, boom. Beat the line, beat everything. Got exactly what I wanted. Didn't have to deal with anybody. All I had to do was just get in the car. I had my pajama bottoms on. Still, well, actually, I had on some joggers. I'm sorry. I had on my joggers still. I didn't have to get dressed up. I didn't have to be in the mall. I didn't have to be fighting through traffic. Um, even with the gift that I got from my mother, curbside pickup. You know, hey, I want this. Boom, boom, boom. Bring it right out to the car. Here's my ID. This is who I am. Put it right in the car. Like Some of that stuff and being able to stream certain things and do certain things has really been a a huge relief. Even like you said, with the, with the food deal, like, you know, Hey, I can order my food, even though it's super expensive. You know, I get what I want. You send me a picture. I walk out when I feel like it and grab it. Boom. Yeah. <clears throat> Especially this week, uh, the matrix is coming out. I'm definitely not going to the theaters to see that, but I will watch it on HBO max. So that's, that's something I'm definitely, uh, looking forward to. So i Curious how this uh, this movie is going to go, but we'll, we'll probably maybe talk about it at some point. But um, kind of pressing forward with going back to football a little bit. Shout out to Deion Sanders for low-key uh, making HBCUs kind of a thing again. Like, 
And I'm not super into the HBCU. I'm not super into college, but I, I do understand that just from what I've seen from what little I, I look into it, that he's making a lot of people who never would have put eyes on the HBCU uh, for you guys, uh, not not really up on game. It's historically black colleges, universities, kind of, you know, bringing them to the light, like, hey, making it making it tough for some of these big name schools to attract talent. Um, if you look on like social media, these games are packed out. People are having a good time. It seems like it's a pretty cool atmosphere and, and people are starting to take notice. Uh, kind of the biggest thing that happened is that the number one slash number two player in the nation, Travis Hunter, um, he decided instead of going to a traditionally PWI, predominantly white institution, Florida State, he's chosen to go to Jackson State to play for HBCU. So applause to him. First and foremost, I hope he goes there and gets a great education, right? Because that's that's important because football, um, you know, NFL stands for not for long. Even if you make it there, we've seen a lot of quote-unquote prodigies be projected to be the next big thing and fizzle out. But I think from what I've seen from uh, Coach Sanders that he's really and, – and, and you know you hear this all the time, but I, I really think he has a vested interest in these young men. Like he really wants to see them succeed on and off the field. So I, I think as a parent, if I had had a kid that was at that level to play those type of sports, it, it would it, it would make me consider it heavily being like, hey, you're going to be surrounded by people and we've had a discussion like about as far as like raising your kids and black areas are having to go to schools with black majority black uh, population. Like you're getting to see excellence all around you that looks like you. And I believe probably more people that have your best interests in mind versus where you kind of go to one of these other schools and you're kind of looked at as like the talent or like cattle or people only respect you for what you can do on the field and not you as an actual person. Now, I'm sure that probably still does happen at HBCUs, but I don't think there's the same, like, you know, uh, what is it, vitriol, the same type of mindset, like, oh, you know, you, your cattle, go go run the ball, boy, go score these touchdowns for Mass, so that type of vibe, you know what I'm saying? So, so, so congrats to him. Uh, and the one thing that I like the most about what he's doing is because he's doing this and he's becoming successful – now you got a guy like Hugh Jackson who has a ton of experience. Uh, he's now the coach at Grambling State, um, which is good for these guys and good that he's another big-name former NFL guy that's getting an opportunity to use his uh, experience and tutelage uh, to get another HBCU up and running. And then even with uh, Tennessee State bringing in Eddie George, uh, another big name that's going to attract more attention to these uh, schools and, and they're bringing in revenue and they're making the facilities better. It, it's a great thing. And, um, you know, Marcus sent in the tweet, uh, not the tweet, well, yeah, the tweet, because I know that some people, I forgot who it was, but somebody was saying, why would you go to an HBCU when you go to a power five? Doug card scammer of all time. He yeah. Got, and it's like, okay. his terrible take. And I see some of the, the, the lists that you sent, which is a great list. But if you really know your football, some of the top players of all time in football came from HBCUs. And, I mean, the list here, we got Jerry Rice, Mississippi Valley State, Walter Payton, Jackson State. We got um, Jimmy Smith, Jackson State. 
uh, Shannon Sharp, Savannah State, Michael Strahan, Texas Southern, Steve McNair, Alcorn State, Doug Williams, Grambling State. Like the, these people, Jerry Rice, uh, Walter Payton, these are arguably two of the best people at their individual positions. One of them is arguably the best player of all time in some people's um, in some people's list that came from these HBCUs. So the talent can really come from anywhere. Uh, extremely disrespectful of Doug Gottlieb for saying that. Well, let me let me read exactly what he says. So I'm not paraphrasing him. Um, da, 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 shit. So uh, his follow-up tweet, the, the first tweet was pretty much saying, well, he said uh, HBCU football doesn't have close to the same amount of support athletically, academically, medically, and they play an inferior schedule with inferior teammates. Um, in addition, a football ends any person would prefer to be a UGA, FSU, TAMU alum for help in the workforce. That was his follow-up treat after being checked by uh, uh, Roland Martin. I'm trying to find the original tweet. And, and to, just to be honest with you, while you look for it, like for me, being a person that's from Mississippi, my father went to Jackson State. I got a few family members that went to Jackson State, graduated from Jackson State, or Jackson State uh, boosters even, alum. They, they attend every game. So if you're a – oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Sorry. If you're a black person and you've ever got the experience going to an HBCU and being around almost nothing but your own people – it's an experience like none other. And if you get that opportunity to just be around so many successful people that look like you, like this is something that a lot of us don't actually get to experience by going to a PWI. So, I mean, that experience alone, like I, I hate the fact that I didn't get a chance to go to an HBCU as a young person. Like, you know, it's an experience that you can't even replicate. Uh, go ahead, South. Yeah, so the initial tweet he said was Twitter Twitter celebrating a kid making an obvious mistake is hilarious, meaning that for Hunter not choosing a, a big name school. So the, I guess the first thing with that is that he is essentially saying like, hey, like, fuck the education. That that just shows he doesn't care about that at all. He's really talking about football sense because there's a lot of great minds that come from HBCUs. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's the first thing. So he, he definitely he got packed up for that. But. I mean, like I said, man, stop retweeting stupid people. Like he he knew what he was doing, and a lot of people fell for it. But I mean, hopefully this kid he uh, he shows out and you know makes a name for it. Like it's crazy that I, I guess people think that the only way or the best path to the NFL is going to one of these big name traditional powerhouses. But I mean, like a lot of people said, like a lot of athletes will tell you, if you're good, people will find you. Like there's plenty of people that go to these big schools, you know, for whatever reason, but they're not necessarily good. They just make that choice to be associated with, I guess, that brand. Not saying that there aren't certain places you can go. They're going to have, you know, networking opportunities once you leave. But at the end of the day, as a black person, you're still black. Like there's probably people from, you know, Ivy League universities that get still get disrespected regardless of what school they went to. So. Why not network with people that most likely are going to treat you as a equal and a peer, you know, versus, you know, being looked down at, you know, like, oh, you went to Yale. All right, whatever. Well, you're still black. So I don't I don't care. So, uh, you know how that goes. Well, maybe if you're you're white, you don't know. But that's kind of how how things work around here. So oh. kind of got to prove to people why you should be respected versus other people who walk in the door and are automatically granted that, you know, 
that respect, the benefit of the doubt. I, I personally, as I, I personally love what's going on with college football right now. There's a lot of people who are uh, against the uh, the transfer portal. A lot of uh, uh, head coaches are against players being able to go to certain schools uh, because they can get more money or more endorsements and all these things. I'm 100% for this. Like, there's no reason why these kids shouldn't be able to go where they are uh, able to get the bag. Like, some of these kids need this. Some of these kids and their families need this money. And for coaches like Gabo Swinney to still be out here talking about, like, oh, if you pay the players, you're going to ruin the game. Like, nah, man, These, you're, if you can recruit, if you can get a good player, they will come to you. But if you can't afford good players, you're not going to get them. You're not going to get the best players. And that's part of the game. Either, you know, adapt or get left behind. Like, I, I know there was something going around about uh, Deion, Sa- Deion Sanders and Jackson State where they were just like, oh, well, the only reason they got that top recruit is because they – you know, they were able to give him a million dollars. And Dion kind of came out and said, like, hey, we don't we don't have money. We're a small time school. Uh, yada, yada, yada. We don't have that kind of money. We're not out here paying players like that. And I'm fine if that's the case. If they don't if they didn't have the money to pay that kid to get there and he just decided to come to that school because he got recruited because he's a defensive back. And Deion Sanders is obviously one of the greatest cornerbacks ever. And he wants to play for that guy. That's cool. But if Deion Sanders was like, hey, we have a million dollars for you. Come to our school. And that kid decided to go. I am fine with that. Like, as a fan of the Miami Hurricanes, I know what kind of money is in Miami. I know what kind of endorsements you can get as a big-time player in the city of Miami. Like, there's a million strip clubs that you can be the face of. And you can be on flyers and car dealerships and all kinds of, like, shady businesses that are going to be able to pay you what you want. Get that money. Like, there's no – there is no reason for a kid out of, you know, Mississippi to have, because I've heard stories about this where these college kids are leaving their families in Georgia and going to play for like USC all the way in California. And their parents can't afford to come watch them play because it's too far. Like they can't afford to fly out. They can't fly across country because they can't afford to. So now if I'm a kid and I live in Alabama, and USC is like, hey, we want you to come play for my school. Okay, I will come there, but I want to. I want my parents to be able to come to the games, to come to these home games. What are you gonna give, do? What are you gonna do for that? Give Reggie Bush back his Heisman. Exactly, he deserved it. And speaking of California, there's a coach, the the brand new coach who left his current job. I can't remember what job he was at, but he was able to Lincoln Riley. Yeah, like so, Oklahoma. the coaches are able to just hump jump from job to job so he jumps from his old job to the usc job and some of the perks that he was he was given uh was access to a private jet him and his family 24 7 access like if as the head coach if he has that kind of access to that if i'm a player and i see that and my family lives in on the east coast like they live in new york or south georgia or florida or something like that i'm like hey i will come to your school but i want my parents to be able to fly. I want you to fly my parents out to every home game. They don't have to fly private. They can fly commercial. But I want you to fly my parents out to every home game that I have so they can see me play. If you can't do that, I will go somewhere where they will do that or I'll play for my hometown school. Like, these kids now have power. They now have the. They now have options. You can't now hold stuff over their head where it's like, 
hey, well, if you don't do exactly what I say, then I'm going to take your scholarship or you're not going to be able to play or all this stuff. It's like, you do that? All right, transfer portal. You know what? I'm going I'm to complain on Twitter and, you know, some other uh, marketing firm from my, another college is going to see it and they're going to try to, they're going to attract me with a better offer. And a lot of people don't like that. They don't like it when, especially young black kids, have power and opportunity and ability to make potentially millions of dollars playing a sport. So this is gonna this is gonna change things for the better. Not as a fan of the Miami Hurricanes, I think this is gonna be great for us because we have the legacy of being a, a historically great school. It's in Miami. We have a lot of celebrities. There's a lot of money to be made, legal or illegally, or whatever you want to say. And there's a lot of professional sports teams around there where money can be funneled through. Like we, there, there's there's not going to be a shortage of money anywhere for these college players. You don't think these boosters want to give these kids money? You think these boosters just were like, yeah, I, I, I don't want to pay for this car for you, kid, because it's against the rules. No, they're dying to give these these uh, challengers away. They want to give these Escalades away. They want you to drive around in their cars. They want you to come to their clubs and to their businesses and to endorse their stuff. They're willing to pay for it. Let these kids get the money. And my last point, the NCAA should pay the players. Like, it's cool that these kids can go out and make money on their own, but they should also be on the NCAA's payroll because of all the money that they bring in. Big facts. Big facts. But yeah, it's, it's interesting to see what happens. Uh, they did get packed up uh, by South Carolina State, uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Hopefully they uh, they bounce back next year and are bigger and better and keep uh, – bringing more light to the HBCU brand. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, I know we got to do shit. We're probably not going to do the, we have to do the albums of the year at some point, um, or top songs or something that's coming up eventually. But, um, yeah, cause I got my hot take that I was where I was ready for this week that I, I wanted to discuss with Marcus, but we'll wait another week. Uh, what what are y'all songs of the week? Nah, this wasn't gonna be my song of the week. I'm ready to say that Andre 3000's verse on "Life of the Party," just the pure emotion that was brought in. I'm not talking about wordplay. I'm not talking about metaphors, punchlines, anything like that. That was one of the, if not the greatest verse I've ever heard in my life. Like it just it draws so much, and I mean I, I just. That song is just, I listened to both versions. That song is so great. Like, and and just the album Donda has four verses on it, especially the deluxe, that are probably top 10 verses for the, for the entire year. So uh, this week, once again, I'm going with Life of the Party. Um, everybody, like, if you don't like Ye, I understand it. You know, the red hat stuff and, and the other stuff that he does is understandable. You may not like him as a person, but the things that he can do and the things that he can get out of artists and the production and the sound quality and the engineering and the mixing and mastering that goes into these this music and to be able to get a person who I used to laugh at when they said Andre 3000 was the GOAT. But then when I started to listen to this song and just the, the emotion that, that he 
bring or drives me through. I was like, wow, man, like no one else could have got that out of this man. Like this is that verse is the greatest verse of all time. Okay. Okay. Well, I know I know I tweeted that when I saw that, or yeah, you tweeted that. Um, I know when he tweeted that, I told him to slow down, but I will say that uh, Adolphus isn't one of those people that just goes off the rails. It's like, this is the greatest thing of all time. Like, he's not that person. So I'm not, you know, I wasn't trying to, you know, come at him crazy. So it, it's definitely, if, if someone told me that it was the verse of the year, I'd, I'd be fine with that. Like, I'm not going to argue that. Like, that's, I think that's pretty clear cut. Uh, saying it's the best verse of all time, like, I'd, I'd probably have to look and really, like, go through a lot of albums to see if it if it is but it if you're if you're going to say that like if you're going to say like hey this is the greatest first of all time that's not a bad one to, to pick so i i'm not I'm, I'm not mad at that uh selection um kind of sticking on outcast uh, my song of the week is lowercase it's by big boy and sleepy brown featuring killer mike and it's from the album that dropped uh last week called the big sleepover and i I tweeted about it tweeted this the other day oh and when it came out you know it's it's beautiful to see andre 3000 still doing his stuff doing his thing as an elite uh feature artist and big boy still rapping at a high level you know uh they've been rapping since what 1994 or 95 like for a very long time and they're still doing it at a high level, they're obviously not doing it together, which is, you know, what people want. But I'm, I'm I kind of am annoyed with the quote unquote outcast fans that ignore big boy solo stuff. Like if you're a found fan of outcast and you're not listening to what big boy is doing, then you're fraudulent. Like, cause this is a great album. Like big boy is still rapping at a high level. And for, then I feel like it's just like the quote unquote, you know, hip hop Twitter, like those people are just like, oh, Andre 2000, Andre 2000, he carried Outkast, he's the greatest feature artist ever, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, we can't erase what Big Boy did. We can't erase and ignore what he's doing now. Like, we can't just, we can't celebrate artists like Jay-Z, Andre 2000, Rick Ross, Nas, uh, and uh, Eminem, all these other rappers that are rapping well into their 40s, and, and ignore what Big Boy is doing still. Like, he's still a high-level rapper, and he should be treated as such. Yeah, even Boomerverse, which was the album before um, the Sleepover album, that was that was another really good album. Like, and, and I think what it is, and I mean, you know, I don't want to harp on it too long. I think it's when you start to get something that's rare, because we, we don't hear Andre 3000 as much, I think that that also plays into it because it's like, okay, that's just like with, and I know Dr. Dre's not really a rapper, but I, you give him the benefit of the doubt and you're going to listen to his work because it's like whenever Dr. Dre drops, it's so rare that it's like, okay, well, hey, he dropped. Let me make sure I listen to it or something like that. Or even like a guy, uh, even, even with a Jay-Z, like if Jay-Z is on a verse, I mean, he's a lot more, available than an Andre 3000. But if I know somebody has a Jay-Z feature, I'm going to go listen to that because I know the level to where Jay-Z is or like Lil Wayne when he was going through all the trials and tribulations, even though a lot of his newer work, I'm not as big of a fan of, 
But when he's out there, I'm still gonna listen because I know, I know what he's capable of doing. So uh, that's what I really think it is. It's just it's so rare to hear Andre, especially when he's doing like the 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 flute stuff and and the guitar, whatever he was doing. Uh, which did we ever even talk about that or? We, we never talked about the guitar thing. I, I, I know I fried him up for that stuff. I, I fried him up for people lowering the bar for what Andre 2000 does, quote unquote, musically, the stuff that he's doing with his guitar and playing that flute and stuff. Like, it's not good. It doesn't sound good. Like, I, I, I'm all for you going out there and expressing yourself artistically and doing all these other things, but y'all got to stop lying about what this dude is doing. That shit sounds bad. He needs to practice and do it privately until you're good. Stop doing it. Yeah, he has enough money to be not coming out doing that that bullshit. Um, my song of the week, and it's funny because like I, I, I sometimes get caught up in like stuff I've already listened to. So I went and found a title playlist of like top hip hop songs. I was like, okay, let's see what maybe I missed because I know I missed a lot. This playlist is like a hundred songs, but I stumbled across a song. Uh, it's called "Outside" by Mo and OG Bobby Billions. I was like. Damn, this song's kind of good. I'm like, I feel like I've heard this before. And I was like, oh, shit. So I don't know if you've seen that video. I don't know if it was a viral video, but it's a video of like, uh, it looked like Mickey Mouse superimposed onto like a Grand Theft Auto character, like singing in high pitch, <laughs> spinning around, talking shit about Goofy. Yeah, I've seen That was funny. Yeah, it's like the original song from that. That song is actually really good, but the video is hilarious. But yeah, it's uh, called... Uh, outside by Mo, spelled M O three and O G Bobby Bill. Oh, Mo three. Okay, I, I was like Mo. Okay, I got you. Yeah, that shit. That shit is hard. That shit is. That shit is super hard. Like it's. it's yeah, he. I, I liked him, man. I mean, too bad he was taken away from us. I know Shan's gonna, of course, know all about him being, um, you know, out, out of that Lone Star State. Um, so Shan has top ten featuring Logic. Well, top ten with Logic and Big Crit. Logic, really? And uh, King Quest, Swinging in the Rain by Paul Wall. I have to make sure I listen to that one. Um, yeah, I actually checked out, um, I forgot, because, and this is sad, and I seen Marcus talking to um, one of our one of our guys about this, but I forgot I even listened to the Roddy Rich, Rich product, project at all, but $25 million was was pretty solid from him. I mean, it, it Music comes out so fast. The, the album's solid, but it, it's kind of forgettable. Like I said, I forgot I even heard that album. I apologize for I, it. I started but, listening today. It's pretty good. I, I think yeah, it's, yeah good. it's solid. It's just, it's nothing memorable for me, but you know, it's. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know what people expected from Roddy Rich. And I, I, I know I said that he's in a pretty uh, tough position because he's not going to be able to top what the box was. Like that was a huge song. And he, he's not going to be able to top that. So, I mean, especially with your sophomore album, it's like people expect uh, you to do that. Like they, people are expecting Cardi B to have something bigger than Bodak Yellow on her sophomore album. And that's not it's not realistic. You can't expect people to have big, major, like number one songs as singles every album. Like only the likes of like Kanye and Drake are doing that kind of stuff. So I, I just kind of thought Roddy was in a, a tough spot. Um musically and to, to go back to the uh life of the party i i remember hearing the verse when it got leaked 
and then I listened to the verse on the album. Uh, the end part where they have the DMX sample from the video where he was at the amusement park. I did not know that was going to be there. Man, that almost took me out. I was not because I wasn't prepared for it. And it's just like I had goosebumps all over me and I started tearing up a little bit. I was just like, how does he like how, who would have thought to even put that there? Like, I feel like there's exactly. a lot of other the goats. There's a lot of there's a lot of other clips. You know, you probably could have found something from a like an actual movie or from an actual TV show or something, uh, something, a recording from a poet. You could have found anything, anybody to put in that spot. But he put DMX there, you know, an artist that had had uh, passed this year. And just the way that you can hear it in his voice, like, you know, saying the whole like daddy's here and stuff like that. It's just it was a very touching ending to yeah. uh, a beautiful song. And I was just like, wow, like that's that's genius level stuff that pe- like regular people wouldn't like. No, no one would have ever thought to do that. No one. And I, I was on that, too, um, with the that part of me being that I lost my father now two years ago, just hear, hearing that snippet. And adding that to the song just added like a whole different perspective to the entire song because I kind of felt like now I like the unreleased version. I feel like Kanye West was rapping damn near at that. Um, what was the song on T Lop that he he went off on? No more parties in LA. He was rapping on that level. Nah, he 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 was he he was he was snapping to me. And then it's like when he redid the verse, I was like, oh, well, you know, Andre's verse is super strong. And then his is just okay. But the more and more I get into it, I'm like, and then once you start to really understand the words and the way that they're putting the stuff together and the and the deeper meanings behind stuff, I was like, okay, this was actually a really good verse as well. Um, and then, like you said, when you add that DMX snippet to it, it just really puts it to the top. I mean, the beat, that first initial sample, like when I had um picked it up, I was like, why would he sample this first part, like at the beginning? And it's just like everything he does, it's a rhyme or a reason to it. Like, it's a lot of people that hate on Kanye West, like I said, because of his beliefs, because of some of his antics, different stuff like that. But if you really, if you didn't know it was Kanye West, and you just close your eyes and listen to some of the small, intricate details that he does on music, you would be just amazed. Like, oh my goodness! Like this dude, this dude, he really is a musical genius. Like he's on that level. He's earned that title. Yep. And this weekend was the uh, would have been the fiftieth, fifty-one birthday of DMX. So R.I.P. DMX. Um, great, uh, great synergy right there. Is that kind of just tied in? Let me see what this person said. Yeah, so actually, I forgot before we before we wrap. Before we wrap, what does the Pro Bowl mean to y'all? Free trip to Orlando. Uh, Actually, the Pro Bowl is going to be in Las Vegas this year. Oh, okay. Hell yeah! Tickets only like a hundred dollars, so I might. Oh, that's not bad at all. Make a play on that. Yeah, it's a really nice stadium. But I mean, as far from a from you evaluating players on your team, I, I'm sure you guys know where this is going to head. Uh, I know for me, uh, I value all, all pro um, selections over Pro Bowl selections. Okay. Like, 
Pro Bowl is more of a fan service and it's more of a, you know, once you become a Pro Bowler, your name is always going to be associated with that. So it's almost like, well, he was a Pro Bowler last year, so I'm going to vote him again for the Pro Bowl this year type thing. It's kind of like, uh, you know, popularity contest. You know, people want to see uh, the popular players, the players that they know and like, more recognizable people. But uh, when it comes to evaluating players, uh, it doesn't hold any weight. I think all pros hold way more weight than that. Same with all NBA. Like, I, that has a lot more weight on it than the All-Star game. Um, it, it's the exact same thing. Like, for me, I cheer for a team that we barely ever have representation. But um, once you get in there, like you said, like a Jalen Ramsey, unless he just totally bombs out, he's probably good for the next seven years as a pro bowler. Uh, Aaron Donald the same way. I mean, I know he's still playing at a high level. He's great. But, I mean, you know, you with the fans doing it, it does hold a little less weight. Uh, in the game itself, me, the type of football I like, I like hard-hitting football. I like defense. And you're not getting any of that in the actual game. Um, it's just more so of offense. Uh, with football, it's a lot harder to be in sync with players. I mean, you're only getting a week or two to kind of – build that synergy with the guys so the football could be a little bit sloppy. People are not really playing as hard as they can. Uh, with that, I do miss the skills composite competition. That was tight. And I wish they'd bring like a 40-yard dash to it too. But, you know. So, so I my idea for the Pro Bowl is uh, make it a flat football game. with Make it a flat football game, but make it open to whatever players want to do what. Like if you – because like you have to think, a lot of these – all these football players are extremely athletic. Like a lot of the linemen, defensive linemen are probably the more athletic people on the team. Let them catch some passes. Let them throw some passes. You know what I'm saying? Like it would just be kind of fun to see, you know, oh, we're going to put Aaron Donald at tight end and let him go out there and catch some passes. Like no contact. It's just going to be flat football. That'd be really cool to see. That'd be, I think it'd be a way better product and people would care less about, I guess, getting hurt. Um, so how the Pro Bowl works, just so I can get my, my, my takeoff is that, Fans make up a third of the ballot. The other two thirds come from players and coaches respectfully, right? So fans do have influence, but it, it is one of those things where your, your peers evaluate you as well. The caveat I have to that is that I've seen some of these top 100 lists uh, made by players and some of the, the, the decisions make me scratch my head, right? I don't know if there's like, you know, circles where players have their opinions about other players. I don't know how deep that goes, but, and then as far as the coaches. Um, I do value the the all pro better. I think it's a similar voting process. I think just without the fans, I think, or if I'm not mistaken. Um, so uh, there's been a lot of hype for our number fourth overall draft pick, Kyle Pitts, who is on track to make the Pro Bowl because I think he's like leading tight ends in Pro Bowl votes. But and and I'm going to come off as a hater and a pessimist for saying this, but like I, I honestly don't think he deserves to be in the Pro Bowl, man. Like he's going to make it. And the propaganda that the propaganda and revisionist history that fans are going to do themselves is, is going to make me sick all offseason, right? For example, today, today's game, going to the third quarter, he had four targets and two catches, right? So we're, we're getting our backs beat in like 31 to 13 or something like that. And he catches a 49 yard pass, right? Mind you, another receiver on the practice squad also had a 49-yard reception. Cool, whatever. But fans are going to be like, oh, Kyle Pitts the GOAT. Oh, this is what we're talking about. 
finished the game with 77 yards, which puts him that much closer to finishing with 1,000 because I think to beat Mike Ditka's record for most yards for a tight end in NFL history as a rookie, it's like 1,000 yards, which equals like 60 yards a game or something like that, which, again, back in that day, that's actually really impressive because it's not a passing league. You know what I'm saying? So that holds more weight. Also, we're playing one more game. Cool. But in the grand scheme of things, as far as his impact in the games, outside of like, oh, shit. Sorry. Outside of like two games, he's like literally a ghost for majority of the game. Right? But fans are going to be like, oh, he's a pro bowler. He's so good. It's like, dog, y'all not watching the games. I get it. There's there's other factors that come into it. Like, he can't throw himself the ball. But like, he he can be pretty non-existent for long stretches. Like, like, and again, like, and I, I know people, the media hype stuff up. That's why I kind of take the media with a grain of salt. But, fam, you can't be the highest draft the tight end of all times and go three. There's been games where he's gone like four quarters without a target or like a reception. Like, it makes no sense. But part of it is the hype that people built up from. Like, oh, he's yada, 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 yada. Fam, you can't be that good and, and that much of a quote-unquote unicorn and, and be a ghost. Like, they're not even targeting you. Like, how does that work? How do you not draw up plays for your number four overall pick? My bad, that, that GA boy. That was an ad on ESPN.com. But, like, no hate, but, like, I feel like I would rather I would rather him have 30, 40, 50 yards a game and it actually helped us win and impact the game. Like, that's cool. You had a 49-yard catch and we're losing by two touchdowns. But then also early in the game, on another long pass play, it looks as if you stop running your route. And then you drop easy passes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't I don't, I don't, don't understand, man. But the hype is in like, oh, he's a pro bowler. And, and it's hilarious because two years ago or last year, people were saying that Calvin Ridley was a pro bowl snub over Justin Jefferson. Who was it, Justin Jefferson? Yeah. Vikings yeah, yeah. Receiver. yeah, who got over a thousand yards, all kinds of great stats his rookie year while Calvin barely made it his third year or something like that. But this year, I'm sure there's going to be a more deserving tight end that's probably going to not make the pro because of Kyle Pitts' counting stats. I get it, it means something, but for me, I tweeted out impact to me is more important than stats. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, at one point, Blake Bortles was a Pro Bowl quarterback. So not saying that's the equivalency I'm going to make, but got to take that with a grain of salt. Like, I, I need to see more from our number four overall pick before we start hyping him up. So that I just I don't I don't think he deserves to be there, man. Like you're getting the counting stats, you're a rookie. But like, come on, man, this it's, it's hard to watch sometimes, man. But anywho, that's my my latest Falcons rant. Uh, thank you all for checking out the podcast and we subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Uh, YouTube, even though all the videos are like pretty much taken off there, but we're working on that. Definitely retweet the podcast, share it with your friends, drop review, drop us a comment on SoundCloud, all that good stuff. Um, we appreciate you guys' support. You guys got any shout outs? Uh, I just want to say, uh, just shout out to uh, comic book movies and our Marvel movies because I know there's a lot of old, uh, old directors that are just like, oh, this isn't real cinema, this isn't real art, this isn't real filmmaking. And if it wasn't for the MCU and the, at some points the DCEU, um, movie theaters would have died a long time ago. Like, people are going to the movies to see comic book movies. Like, they're going to see Batman, they're going to see Spider-Man, they're going to see 
the Eternals, the Avengers, all this stuff. They're not going to the movie theater to see the Irishman. They're not going to see the movie, like, who is it? Martin Scorsese? You've made the same movie the last 20 years. Like, shut up. Like, the only reason you're able to make those movies is because movies like Batman and The Joker are keeping theaters open. So pay pay your specs, pay homage, and or make better movies that people want to see in the theater. And suck my dick. I mean, low-key, low the Irishman. I might see it after knowing the original story about the, the unions and, and Jimmy Hoffa. It, it might be kind of interesting. Um, that, that whole little thing is pretty cool with the, the mafia and the whole the whole union thing is a pretty cool like how unions exist and, and where they came from that's kind of cool so i might watch that movie one day but no time soon but anywho tech side, what you got uh yeah just to piggyback on what marcus was saying i mean if you really look back from as far back as like the mid 90s early 90s uh, it's always been about blockbuster action films anyway. Like that's what really, those are the main ones people go to the movies to see. And it's like, I mean, going to the movies to see any movie that you like is cool, but it's not the same from going to the movies to see The Notebook. Great movie, but that's not a movie theater movie. I've never seen it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You're out of control, but um, anyway. You go to the movies to see Independence Day. You go to the movies to see Marvel movies, to see DC movies, to see the the big blockbuster films, the rock movies, not to see, you know, Will Will Ferrell crack a couple couple jokes in Elf or different stuff like that. I mean, these are great movies, but it's always good to, you know, go see the big blockbusters, the big thunder and boom and bass, the huge screens, the popcorn, and everything else. Um, wow, Shan, you never seen the Notebook too? Like Jesus Christ. Next, you're going to say you've never seen the Love Notebook. What's wrong with y'all? Yeah, man, it was a great movie. Jesus Christ. I bet you they never seen Lovely Bones as well. I don't watch movies. I've never seen Titanic. None of that shit, dog. I'm good. I'm good. But I might watch The Irishman. Maybe. So I definitely want to give a shout out to everybody in the chat for always holding it down. Um, and that's it. Like, just uh, thanks, everybody, for. You know, holding it down. I, I'm pretty sure we won't have another episode up and ready before Christmas. So, uh, if you celebrate Christmas, yeah. to y'all, <laughs> make sure you you know get something special from your special someone uh, for Marcus Sniffles and the kids. You know, I hope that uh, they have a wonderful, magnificent Christmas as well. Uh, thank y'all as always. We we damn near another year down. You know, in the tank. So thank y'all for for the support. Facts. Guess that's gonna be the last word. We out. Peace. <laughs> Damn, you know, shout outs. Uh shout out to Jif, Jalen. Um, you know what? I was gonna make the block hot. I'm not gonna do that. Shout out to El Chapa, KJ, Tribbles, Rev Run, everybody that you know rocks with us on the timeline. Everybody who's not muted on my timeline, pretty much. So yeah, y'all y'all are real ones. Y'all are real ones. But anywho, this is KTSCF. We out. Peace. <laughs>